The Moody Academy Expert Talks is a series of online sessions featuring industry experts talking about the Philippine real estate landscape as we cope with the new normal. Hello everyone, my name is Nadine Passis, Learning and Development Coach for Lamudi Philippines, and today we will be joined by another expert. He's Miko Baranda of Lee Chu Properties, and he will be discussing post-COVID-19 office outlook and the new normal for businesses. If you have any questions to ask, please feel free to add them on the comment section and we will be responding through there. Thank you very much, and we hope you enjoy and learn more about the real estate outlook for today. Good afternoon, my name is Miko Baranda from Lee Chu Property Consultants. Thank you again, Lamudi, for giving us the opportunity to share with you today our thoughts and insights in the property market. We'll walk you through uh, what's happening in the office sector, both on the supply and demand side, and what we believe will be our forecast for 2020. And at the same time, we'll also share with you opportunities and trends that we see in the what, what they call the, the new normal. So to start, 2019, uh, just to bring you back to 2019, that was a landmark year for the office market. We transacted 1.7 million square meters of demand. To put that in perspective, if you put together all buildings in Bonifacio Global City, office buildings, that's about the same size as what we transacted in one single year. So the Philippines office market today is now one of the largest markets in the world, right next to Shanghai, Beijing, and Tokyo. But many of the achievements last year was overshadowed in the last uh, the pandemic and all challenges we had to face as a country in the last two quarters. But despite all the negative uh, events that have happened, we still remain optimistic. We believe it's still too early to write off the property market for the reasons outlined here. First is that there are still nine infrastructure projects that will be finished in the next 18 months. So that's about 150 kilometers of roads and bridges, which will, we predict, will cut traffic by 40 to 50%. So that will give back people two to three hours of their day. And these will be released in the economy as uh, productivity to help us cope up with, uh, with the new normal and as we go into the uh, difficulties of after the lockdown. Uh, if you look at uh, Bonifacio, I believe they're even building a bridge to connect that to the Ortiga CBD, uh, which would normally take us an hour today, and we'll cut that to about 12 minutes, a third of the time. So these are really uh, milestone projects which will change the landscape tremendously. Second is the BPO industry, as many of you know, is the largest employer in the Philippines today with 1.4 million full-time employees. And they say for every one BPO that's hired, there's five or six uh, multiplier effect where indirectly it employs another uh, six people. And as many countries and uh, companies go into recession, we believe that they will want to cut down as much cost as they can. And one of the ways to protect their bottom line in a fast manner is outsourcing more work to the Philippines or India. Uh, the Philippines today has about 20 years of track record and we're still about the tenth of the price compared to the West. And the labor has improved dramatically through the years. Third is the Pogo sector. So once the, now the lockdown has been lifted and once the travel ban has been fully lifted, we are hopeful that they will continue to expand again as they did in the past. 
However, in the last few weeks, there have been some challenges in terms of government asking them to uh, uh, sign an undertaking, asking them to pay above the franchise fee that they've asked before. So a lot of these uh, have now been, there are now ongoing dialogue between government and the industry to try to resolve and find a compromise. And once they're able to do that, we believe that they will expand again by the by the third quarter to the fourth quarter of 2020. Also, we've been hearing a lot of land-based casinos in Europe that after they want to transition to a more online platform and they're looking at the Philippines to expand their footprint if they do decide to transition. Liberalization of foreign ownership, the government is working into uh, looking at industries that can be owned 100% uh, by foreigners and I think that will progress in the next few months. Multinational corporations are diversifying out of China. We've now been seeing a lot of manufacturing in China uh, diversify out to places like Thailand, uh, Laos, and Vietnam. It will be challenging for them to go to the Philippines for many reasons, such as uh, power cost, uh, labor cost. But where the Philippines will benefit will be more on the customer service side. So many U.S. companies that are based in China will now want to... Uh, will now want to diversify through a disaster recovery center. And they're looking at the Philippines as a candidate for them to do that. Uh, coincidentally, because of how successful at least the Pogo industry was able to import talent, Chinese talent from mainland all the way to the Philippines, this is something that they are looking to replicate. As the, and, and we can see, we'll probably see that happening in the next few months. There's infinite levels of global stimulus. What we've been also hopeful is the passage of the CREATE law, which used to be called the CITIRA. So the income tax that today we're paying at 30%, which is one of the highest in the region, will now be reduced to 25% by August if the bill, has, bill is uh, passed and will be further reduced to 20% or 1% every year uh, from 2020 onwards. So that will have a big impact in terms of the many companies, most especially the MSMEs. And the REIT sector, which many of us have been waiting for for the past 10 years when the law was, was, um, well, when the law was passed uh, in 2001, but uh, a lot of the challenges in terms of taxation, in terms of uh, the minimum public ownership, a lot of the framework have, has actually been resolved just before the crisis happened or just before COVID. And the opportunity here is for people like us to be able to invest in real estate of, uh, let's say, Ayala land and, and maybe buildings that they have completed today that are generating income and for us to have a share of that building. It's similar to how one would have invested in the stock market. And speaking about Ayala, they've actually cemented their commitment and their position that they will continue with their REIT program by the end of the year where four or five office buildings will now uh, be a trial balloon for the REIT. And we see many of the developers will follow after. Next. So just to deep dive into the office market, the office market today has not uh, contracted in terms of its uh, demand and supply. So just to walk you through this a bit more, in the first quarter of 2020, we transacted 157,000 square meters of office. In March, we predicted that April and May, due to the lockdown, will be zero. No, there won't be any transactions happening. But just a few days ago, we got uh, 
our numbers and we validated that the on the last week of May, there's 200,000 square meters that were transacted. So meaning during the lockdown period, there were 50,000 square meters of deals still being made, which is surprising and I think it's a good sign. Also, we still have visibility of 600,000 square meters of demand that want to be completed this year. So with Q1 numbers and with the 600,000, we believe that we will finish up the year at 800 to a million square meters, which is still half of what we've done last year. However, the virus, or at least the pandemic, did not just cripple demand, but it also crippled supply. So many of the developers that were supposed to finish their office buildings in 2020, but, be, but because of the lockdown, were unable to do so since construction was not permitted. Many of these buildings have now been pushed back to 2021 and 2022. So from 1.5 million square meters, the new number is now at around 800,000. And I think it will be very difficult to... Uh, as we now are in the GCQ, there has still been there are still many restrictions when it comes to construction, and it will take time before they can do full blast. So we may see this 800,000 square meters actually go down a bit more in the next few months. So knowing the demand and supply numbers, we believe that we will avoid any oversupply this year and any glut in the market, and we will uh, achieve equilibrium. So just to take you to 2018 again in 2019, which were landmark years for the Philippine office market. We've actually been doing record highs of demand in the last 12 years. But uh, back then, a decade ago, we were fully reliant on just one industry, which was the ITBPM that took about 70-80% of the demand. But in the last four years, when the BPO, or at least, sorry, the Kogo industry entered the market, we've now seen a more diverse basket of demand profile for the Philippines. So the blue here represents the BPO, the red represents POGO, and the gray represents everyone else, all traditional and brick and mortar businesses. So what we've observed is as the blue and the red grow, everyone else has also expanded their business. So the, the, the good sign there is I hope we're able to continue the same trend as we uh, in the next few months and years to come. So just to depict clearly what we mean about uh, supply demand in our forecast, the broken green line above represents what demand was last year, which was 1.7 million. The broken gray in the middle represents what we believe will be the demand for this year. The orange line was the, or at least to the, the blue line, was the annual supply pre-COVID. So the 1.5 million square meters was supposed to enter the market in 2020. And orange shows you the readjusted due to the construction that were delayed. And many of these developers that are until today are in a standstill in terms of fixing their guidelines and uh, getting ready to start construction again. So as you see, the orange and gray line meet in 2020. So we will avoid any sort of oversupply. And hopefully that buys us time for us to recover in 2021 and to be able to absorb the supply in the pipeline. So the, we still see 600,000 square meters of demand that wanna happen this year. And due to, ironic enough, due to social distancing and the inability to work from home, 
this has actually increased demand for the office market. We saw about 50,000 square meters of demand that wanna uh, look into fitted spaces, co-working spaces, plug-and-play spaces, something that they can move into right away and have the flexibility to lease for a year and a year or less. So just to put more detail into that, the social distancing has now limited the offices from going back in full force. As you know locally, and if you're a BPO here in the Philippines, you will follow a density of one is to five or one is to six square meters per person. And when the social distancing aspect has now been applied to that, you will now have to increase that density by, if not eight uh, square meters per person, uh, it can even reach at uh, nine. So if company A had a uh, 100 people in one floor, they now can only fit 50 people there. The other 50 will try to attempt to work from home, but the challenges that we saw in the last few months in terms of work from home is that many of the uh, upper, at least management or upper management will be able to work from home, but 70% of the working population will still have a difficult time. For one, in terms of just the fundamentals of housing, a lot of the workforce still don't have, let's say, proper roofing insulation or air conditioning. And as many of us have noticed in the past few weeks, the heat or the heat and just the, 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 the weather has just made it very unbearable to be inside, uh, inside your home or unit if you don't have uh, proper roofing or even air conditioning. Second is not a lot of them have access to clean water. We take for granted that we can take as many showers in the day as we want, but not everyone have, have or has the same privilege. Third is a typical Filipino home, let's say around 70 to 80 square meters, will have two or three generation families in one roof. So you have anywhere from eight to 10 people in one unit, or at least in an 80 square meter footprint, which the noise pollution will just be very difficult to be productive as compared to the West, where you have a larger footprint with less people. And the, as mo many people have also brought up in the, last, uh, in, the, in the past, connectivity has been an issue. Also, many companies in the financial industry, in the healthcare industry, have very strict data privacy laws. So even in their own offices, many of them don't allow their employees to bring their phones inside their office or to leave their phones, their notebooks and their pens and the lockers as they go inside their workstation. So there have been a lot of challenges that would make it very difficult to transition from a work from home setup. Hence, we believe that a lot of the demand will now be centered towards finding short-term plug and play and fitted spaces. So this uh, shows you about 14 years of history in the office market, all the way from uh, back to 2006, all the way to 2019. So just to point your attention to 2007, the demand in the blue line uh, and the red on the it speaks about vacancy. So in 2007, the Philippine office market at 200,000 was actually the highest that we've ever achieved in previous years. And in 2009, that demand has jumped by twofold to 400,000, even though the global financial crisis or the GFC happened in 2008. The Philippines was one of the very few markets where the office, very few countries where office market did not contract and actually expanded by two or three fold. 
as many companies started to offshore and outsource more work in the Philippines. And we believe that we will be in the same situation today. And on the far right of your screen, this represents what the scenario would be if the POGOs did not come in in 2016. So the broken red line shows you that we, without POGOs, there would, in 2017, there would be a million square meters of supply. And we would have had the glut in the market as early as 2016, 2017. So there has been a real benefit of having the POGO sector and in hand with the BPO sector expand their footprint in the Philippines and the office market. And that leads us to, the, to our slide about POGO. So, of course, POGOs, I mean, many people have a lot of, uh, there's big debate with whether POGO should be in the Philippines or should they be uh, elsewhere. We believe that there are a lot of still positive, uh, positive things that the POGO has brought our, our country. One of which is the, they're now about 12% the office market. They have 1.7 million square meters of office demand, or at least they're occupying that much space and twice as much also in the residential space. They also not only hire Chinese, but they have 120, 130,000 people that are Filipinos that are being employed in this industry. And one of the few ways I think we can find a, group, a balance is really being able to just enforce the laws and enforce the collection, but not entirely asking them to leave, as we believe that they still have a lot of, uh, there's still a lot of benefit in having them in the economy and in the country. So talking about the, the REACH sector, what we've done is we have, we're showing you data of all the office supply in the market today. So there's about 14 million square meters Philippine office supply. Uh, the first uh, 40, the 45 percent of the SPY is actually owned by only 10 developers and the next 10 percent is owned by the next 10 developers. So essentially 55% is owned by 20 families or 20 developers in the office market. If you look at the retail or mall market, it's more predominantly less companies and less families. So the, if you see SM owns 40% of the mall market, the five, six developers here own predominantly the entire pie. So that leads us to, if you combine both the office and mall market, there are actually 30 million square meters of income generating assets that are readable and owned by only 15 to 20 families. So we, this really shows us that there's a long runway for the Philippines when we are able to launch the REITs, the REITs and hopefully that's coming in the next few months. And given the fact that it's owned by only 20 companies, it lessens the bureaucracy in terms of reading assets because you're also talking to the same people, the same families, the same developers. And just to talk about more of trends, uh, this is the last slide, just to talk about more what uh, trends we see and opportunities in the new normal. Uh, one is we believe that the BPO sector will continue to expand in the next few months as more companies will uh, outsource more work to the Philippines. Uh, what we need to do is to support this by having more peso zones. Uh, we were surprised that in the last few days, there were actually a number of pending buildings that have now been accredited and hopefully the list grows and more buildings that are under application get their PESA status. Second is due to social distancing, this has created demand for the flexible workspace operators 
And until such time that we're able to find a uh, vaccine, we believe that many of these companies will continue renting and working out of temporary space. For one, it's because of the flexibility of the lease. Second is the they don't have to spend any more capex and it's more of them paying operational expenses of monthly rent. Third is we are hopeful that uh, Pogo will expand by Q3, Q4. Uh, once many of the challenges the government has, uh, at least if the challenges and uh, have, that have been bestowed to us in the last few weeks find a common compromise between the government and the industry. Fourth is the REIT is one of the opportunities we see in the market and hopefully that will come in in the next few months. Uh, the fifth is uh, decentralization and diversification. As you know, when uh, BPO companies expand their footprint in Manila, many of them are required to also open up a BPO center in the province, whether it be in Cebu, in Davao, or in Clark. And we believe that more and more companies will look into decentralizing their office footprint. Uh, to give you an example, uh, if you, in the last, uh, during the pandemic, if let's say one building or one company discovers a COVID case, they shut down the building for a few days. And that really just disrupts every single company in that building. So companies now are looking on not putting their eggs in just one basket and finding ways to diversify their footprint, whether it be a hybrid of an office and co-working spaces or splitting up their office into several smaller locations. Also, the lockdown has actually amplified many of the challenges that we're facing in the real estate industry. As many of you know, the Philippine real estate market is still very archaic, archaic, very traditional. And a lot of the challenges, whether it be the digital infrastructure, work from home, having meetings online, are, have actually been um, challenges in the past and have now been emphasized during the lockdown. And we believe that digitalization will be a key component. It will be a hybrid between offline and online. For one, uh, we believe that uh, thought leadership or content will continue through online. Um, before, if you had to, let's say when we were invited to speak in any of these conferences, uh, let's say in uh, Cebu or any of the provinces, it will take us two to three days to get to the conference, to spend time there and to go back to Manila. So logistically, it's, uh, you, you spend so many hours for one. Second is the out-of-pocket expenses. But today through our webinars or through a platform such as what we're having today has now decreased the cost and has also made it very scalable for us to continue doing briefings multiple times in a day and reaching a much larger audience. Uh, lead generation, similar to what Lamudi has been doing in the past few years and has been successful of, we believe that that will continue. They will produce more uh, leads for, for brokers and for, for companies. We're also looking at more of a digital walkthrough. So today, if uh, companies will take them four times to, to, get, to go to the site to do an inspection, uh, that will be reduced by doing more online and offline. So maybe in the first few few days uh, or first few times, it could be through Zoom or digital walkthroughs of other technology technologies that are already existing. And maybe once they really need to make a decision, that's a time that they go through and look at the space. And lastly, we see an increased popularity in sustainable buildings. 
So many of you are familiar with Lead and Verde, what, but what we believe that many developers will now incorporate more of well certification. Uh, one of the developers in the country, Minarco, has been the first to get well certification in the building. Basically, it doesn't just look at power consumption and power savings, but more the op how the occupants in the building will be healthy and uh, well. So they look at uh, air quality, ventilation, they look at water, they look at nutrition, or they incorporate food amenities in the building where uh, companies will have choices not, uh, in terms of uh, being healthy. They also look at mental health. Uh, they have created or at least invited clinics there that can support that. So we see a lot more of these type of, of certifications being rolled out by developers outside of LEED and Verde. And second is we'll see more and more smart buildings. So we actually one building in Ortigas, the Exquadra Tower, we consider as a smart building. If you uh, go to that building today, uh, most of the technologies they've installed are actually touchless, which is very uh, tuned to today's time. For one is if you, the turnstiles, you no longer have to hit your card. It's facial recognition. When you're in uh, entering the parking slot, it reads your license plate. You no longer also have to tap your card. They have what you call a smart parcel lock locker. So once messengers deliver mail, they don't go to the office anymore and they just go to a certain uh, allocated basement in the building where they put their mail inside the locker and the QR code is now sent to the recipient inside the office to say that the mail has arrived. So we see more and more of not only sustainable, but smart buildings that will be incorporated by developers as they proceed to the new normal. So with that, uh, thank you again for, for giving us this opportunity to talk to you about the market and what we see would be trends and opportunities in the new normal. Yeah, okay. Uh, my first question will be, um, if a second wave or another series of quarantine policies will take place, um, is this something that we should be worried about or do you feel like real estate is resilient enough that we can remain uh, optimistic? Yeah, I think the, we believe that the office market will be resilient, but the other real estate asset class might be hit in terms of whether a second and third wave arrives. So the residential market might be one of those markets. Today, uh, the banks are still deferring payments to many of those that have borrowed or have mortgages. When a second or third wave arrives, we don't know if the banks can extend that much time for these uh, buyers who have bought property, uh, more time for them to pay their mortgages. And once that, that happens, we will now see some structural, structural changes and repricing in the residential market. Today, we are still observing how things will play out in terms of GCQ. But uh, if that does happen, it will cause a lot of disruption in that particular asset. It will also cause uh, a lot of changes in terms of the mall sector, as you know that the malls have now opened and are slowly trying to recover. If a second and third wave happen, it will uh, be just the challenges will compound to what it is uh, today. And it might be, uh, it might take more time for them to, to recover from the crisis. Okay. Uh, what business policies or actions should we implement or prioritize to make the new normal possible for workers? Uh, for one, I think the 
uh, one of the few things we need to make sure that we're always on the know. Uh, there have been a lot of, let's say, DTI circulars or memos that have been sent in the past few months talking about incentives that they're offering. So one of which is the DTI 2012 where they're offering any MSME or medium-sized multi- uh, um, or enterprise uh, six months of deferred payment for as long as they submit that they're approved that they are MSMEs. So we need to take time to really understand these memos, seek them out and see how it's relevant to us. In terms of the guidelines today, their ETI has released health guidelines on how the new normal should be. Uh, there's still a lot of vagueness in terms of some of these, in terms of, let's say, density and social distancing. Today, the memo just states that it has to be one meter distance. And it would be good to actually get more details and for it to be thorough in terms of how we can implement this in the office sector. But uh, we believe that uh, hopefully as the next few weeks, we can get more clarity on how things will play out in terms of government releasing more measures and more uh, details into the new normal.